Well, hello, humans. Oh, wait, that's wrong. Hey, humans. That's right. How's it going? Susan Ruth here, and this is most obviously Hey Human Podcast. And I'm very excited because in this episode, I get to talk with my dear friend Chris Geringer, who is, to say exceptional, is to not even give him enough credit. Uh, Chris is an extra exceptional, is that a thing? I think it is now, uh, studio mastering engineer, the ears of a audio god. Um, he has mastered albums for Rihanna, Lady Gaga, Chris Cornell, um, big jazz records, who I can't think of any by name right now because my brain is filled with names like Naughty by Nature, Madonna, did I say Rihanna? If I said it already, it's worth saying twice. Um, basically, he is creme de la creme de la mastering engineer. Uh, he also has uh, something called synesthesia. It's hard to say. Go on, say it with me. Synesthesia. And what that is, uh, to put it in the most basic of terms, it's when your brain is doing one thing sensory-wise, like for example, smelling something. And at the same time, a secondary sensory trigger happens in the brain. And let's say you smell bread, but you see the color blue. Um, Well, he's got it for music. So when he hears music, he sees colors. So cool. I wish I had that. It's very interesting. So he gets to hear the world of music and see it all in color. So cool. Anyway, uh, we chatted about projects he's worked on. We talked about his process. Uh, we talked about life, where to get a good burger. And uh, he's in New York at Sterling Sound. He's awesome. And yeah, I uh, hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I really, really appreciate it. Go to iTunes and subscribe. If you like what you hear, write a review. I suppose. If you don't like what you hear, you could write a review as well, but I prefer if you write a review when you like it. Also, check out heyhumanpodcast.com. I put tons of links on there um, that are based on the conversations I have with my guests. And, excuse me, I also just pick random humans to, to write little blurbs about on there as well. So it's kind of a cool little page of history on, on the heyhumanpodcast.com website. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Well, this is exciting. I am talking with my friend, Chris. Hi, Chris. Hi. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm well. Chris is a, kind of a big deal. <laughs> Chris is a mastering genius over at Sterling Sound with credits. Selena Gomez, Rihanna, the 1975, Nick Jonas, uh, the Ab Fab movie soundtrack. I didn't know you did that. That was a fun movie. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Madonna, Jason Derulo, Gwen Stefani, Elian Antfarm, CeeLo Green, Kelly Clarkson. I mean, the list really, truly goes on and on and on and on. It's, it's insane how many you have mastered. Because you are a master. That's just the way it works. <laughs> uh, I don't even know what to say after all that. <laughs> it's exciting. It's wonderful. And you're a good guy, too. So there's I try that. and be. Yeah. I try and be that. That's yeah. most important. Uh, you're a sweetie pie. So how the heck are you? How's New York? 
Um, New York is good. It finally cooled off. It was like, you know, in the 90s for like three weeks. It was bad and humid and, you know, sticky New York summer. Yeah. And now it's kind of cooled off now, so it's nice. That's good. It's still, well, yesterday was, it was a great day yesterday. It wasn't very humid here in Nashville. And then today... It's like wearing a wet blanket, a warm wet blanket everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty gross. Yeah, that's bad. <laughs> so let's yeah. talk music. All right. How did you get into becoming a mastering guy? What was? Where did you start? Did you just jump out of college doing it? Did you go to college for that? Did you? What's What's your story? My story is is that I I wanted to go to college for film. And then as soon as I went to college, I realized that you don't really do a lot of stuff in college right away. And I just wanted to make movies and kind of dropped out. And I was like, I want to like mess around with music. So my friends were in a band. Um, I started doing live sound for a bunch of different bands. And then I was like, all right, I kind of like this. Maybe I'll go to like a music school or like a music engineering school. And there was a school called, it's still around, the Institute of Audio Research which I went in 1982 to further my knowledge of, you know, sound and recording stuff. Um, I went to, a, I went there for one year. It was one year's program. And then I started working at a studio called Green Street Recording, which, God, I think the first session I worked on was like um, Run DMC. No you know, way. Like their songs, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I went right from that into working working on um, the Shannon song Give Me Tonight, Give Me the Night, you know Give Me Tonight it was um, which was like a huge song too um, and then it was, you know a mixed bag of like um, God, like the P- Patti Smith's band would record stuff there under their own project and, you know, all this famous rap stuff that I would work on and it was cool, but I, I kind of burnt out really fast because I worked like 70 plus hours a week for like you know, and I was living at home and my parents were giving me a lot about it. Like, you know, what are you doing? Like, there's no money. You're never home. You don't come home for days. And, you know, I was kind of like, all right, I'll go back to school for engineering, but like mechanical engineering. And while I was in school, I was working at a, a liquor store and I had the Sunday shift, which was all day Sunday by myself. So I'd read the New York Times and in the New York Times was an ad for a mastering studio. So I was like, all right, let me try this place. It's like nine to five. It's really doing like everything there, you know, like shipping, you know, working in the studio, assisting all this stuff. And it was close to my house. So I was like, all right, let me try mastering. Let me see what that's about. And I started working there and I fell in love with what we were doing. We were cutting um, lacquer masters and vinyl, um, you know, EQing the stuff, making it all sound better. And I, you know, there were long days, but it wasn't like recording where you just disappeared. You know, you'd go in in the daytime and come out in the daytime, maybe two days later. It's like Vegas. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It was, the recording studio back in the day was much like Vegas. You kind of lose track of time and what you're what you're doing. Um, so I started. Work, you know, I worked at True Tone for like a year and a half. I wanted to kind of move up, so I started applying at studios in the city, and I worked for a studio called Frankfurt Wayne Mastering where I worked there for three and a half years and I met Tom Coyne, who's one of my partners at Sterling right now. And I worked for Herb Powers, who's a famous master engineer. He basically did like all the 80s and early 90s R&B, hip hop and all that stuff. And that's where I kind of got my name in hip hop back in the, in the day from you know being his assistant and doing that stuff. 
Um, then after um, Frankfurt Wayne, I went to the Hit Factory. I did 11 years there, Hit Factory Mastering. Um, famous studio, famous everything there. That was like... Talk you know, about my... cutting your teeth on the big guns. Whoa. Yeah, so Michael Jackson would be there all the time and like, you know, all these famous stars would just be walking around. It was kind of surreal, you know, as a music fan to see that and then to have them working in rooms next to you. And then all of a sudden I started working with people like that, not Michael Jackson, but Madonna and everybody else. Um, then I um, went to Sterling Sound because they were looking to expand and build their new facility, which we're still in. And I've been at Sterling Sound for 16 years right now. Wow, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. What are some a couple highlight records that you just completely fell in love with while you were working on them? Um, the Wu Tang Clan Thirty Six Chambers was like really cool because we were editing it all together and kind of like putting it together and you know doing like you know kung fu you know dialogue scenes over the music or in between. Um, it was pretty cool doing that stuff. Um, you know. I did a Black Street album. I worked with Teddy Riley back in the '90s. Um, I worked with L.A. Reid way back when you know he would come to sessions and like listen to the EQ and do stuff. I did the Boomerang soundtrack. Boys to Men End of the Road was on that. That was um, my first big, big like mega record. It um, knocked out Hound Dog, Elvis Presley's Hound Dog, um, for the longest spot at number one. Um, wow, that's humongous. Sadly, though, right after um, Boys to Men End of the Road broke the record, this other song came out and broke that record. It was uh, Whitney Houston's song, um, Greatest Love of All. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, from the Bodyguard soundtrack. So that became like the biggest song ever. But it was nice to have. Oh, like, the, an... wait, I Will Always Love You or Greatest Love of All? Oh, I Will Always Love You. Yeah, you I was going to say. Bodyguard. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, Bodyguard. So did you, did became... you do that one? No, I didn't no. do that. So okay. my my record was like fifty two weeks at number one, and then knocked out by the biggest record ever. So fifty two weeks at number one. Yeah, Boys to Men Under the Road. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. All right, let's hear a good story about being in the hallways. You must have seen a lot of stuff. Oh my God! Soon. One. One time I walked into the lobby. I was leaving the studio and it was late at night and I walked through the lobby of the Hit Factory and Michael Jackson, Prince, Madonna and Dennis Rodman were kind of like leaving the studio and they were kind of all like talking to each other on the way out and I was like, oh my God, like that's incredible. That's like everybody big right then and there in one shot. Because uh, Madonna dated Dennis Rodman for a minute, right? Yeah. That's when she was dating him, yeah. yeah. Man, so. that's, that's like a surreal dream or something. Yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's a dream you have when you've eaten a whole lot of pizza before bed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I was in a hallway with Michael Jackson, Madonna, Dennis Rodman, and yeah, Prince. It's really weird. <laughs> so crazy. Yeah. So when I met you a few years back, uh, and you mastered my record, which is awesome, um... Am I allowed to say that? Because I'm yeah. not hugely, I'm not hugely famous. <laughs> you did a great job. I love it. Um, thank you. I love that record. Thank you. Thank you. Um. Anyway, uh, you had said I asked you invited me into the the studio at Sterling Sound, 
And I gotta say, it was like walking into a spaceship. It was the craziest thing for the for y'all listening. It was so I walked in and everything was some sort of wood. You probably know what kind of wood it was, but it's like it was yeah. like the whole room was floating in the middle of space. It really felt like a spaceship. Talk about the room a little bit, because so our rooms are designed by Fran Manzella, who is just a genius as far as I'm concerned, as far as designing rooms that sound good, and. The, the room is, nothing in the room is parallel. The room is completely floating, um, you know, suspended on springs, a cement slab on top of springs. The only place it really touches is the springs and the door jam. Um, the air conditioning vents are designed not to make noise. The return is designed to not make noise. Nothing in the room has a motor anymore. Like, you know, there's no moving parts in the room, so it's dead silence. I mean, you can really just hear the speakers like, you know, and those speakers were a thing of beauty, by the way. Yes, my B&W 801 Nautilus, um, I have to shill for them because I rep them now. Um, they <laughs> all, they're the best. I've had them for you know, 16 years in that room, and I had them at the Hit Factory, the old B&W 801 Nautiluses before that. They're just, you know, to me, they sing. So, you know, people always ask me, what's a good speaker? Should I get your speakers? I'm like... My speakers work in my room and they work for me. They're my, you know, they're kind of like my, you know, canvas, I guess, or whatever. Um, you know, you work with whatever works for you, whatever equipment works for you, whatever speakers work for you. And just the whole room, the design of the room, the speakers, the way they, you know, work for me, it's all, it's a perfect package, you yeah. know. But, I mean, there are a lot of people who notice that it sounds really good. So. Oh, it sounds yeah. so good. It's funny because when I went to master, when you know, when it was time to master, all I ever wanted was everything. Um, people were saying to me, like, well, I don't understand mastering. I, I don't get it. I mean, it's all mixed and everything. Why does it need to be mastered? And when I, I was out earlier and I was telling some friends that I was going to be talking to you tonight, and the same thing came up. They're like, well, I don't understand exactly... What mastering does, and I tried to explain to them, I said, let's say you have the best ice cream sundae you've ever had in your life. It's so good. It's so good. And then you think of your favorite, like, caramelly topping or chocolatey topping, and you pour that over it, and it just makes it that much better. But that's a terrible explanation. So you had to give a real explanation of what mastering is exactly. The, the real... Um explanation of it is like what we really do is we bring it to like industry standard levels and you know so it everything kind of plays the same some people want their stuff louder some people don't care that's a whole different subject but what we try to do is bring it to an industry standard level and eq it so that it sounds as best as it can sound on you know system most systems um and that comes through time and you know error you know and trying to make your room sound good and make your work your room work on all systems my room over the years you know I, I get different equipment I do things but the basic sound that comes out of my room is what I found to be an amazing sound like when I can work on something I can make it sound good on all systems so that's kind of like the the idea of what we do um, but it's really just like comes down to like personal taste like there are some records I do a lot of processing to, and there are some I do very little processing to. And that is, you know, my third-person take on what people have given me and just trying to make the record better, not trying to, like, 
do a lot to it if it sounds great. You know, you respect what, what sounds great and you try and fix what needs a little help. You know, I'm not saying anybody brings me stuff that's bad, but sometimes I'll do pro- very little processing and the people will like have the biggest reaction to it because it's just what they needed. It's just that touch that they needed, that caramel sauce. And then some people, you know, think their mix is great and I'll do all this stuff to it and they'll only notice that it's better. You know, they don't, <laughs> they don't always say like, oh my God, you did this, but it's just a way of like, you know, finessing something. Everybody... Everybody kind of hears different, everybody kind of sees different, everybody has a different take on, you know, what they're listening to when they're listening to a record. So I try and put like some kind of like color into it, some kind of dimension, um, just something to make it a little better or make it really like affect you. I want people to like have a, a like a, you know, a reaction to sound and not just the, the song. I want them to feel the entire thing. You know, when some people write songs, there are people who write lyrics and they put a melody to it and it's a song. And then there's some people, you know, maybe like a band like Radiohead or, you know, Pink Floyd back in the day that would make a record that was like mind blowing kind of stuff. So I work on all different projects like that. And that's the thing is when you do a song, you respect the song. When you do, uh, you know, a mind blowing Dark Side of the Moon album, you you go into that mode. You know, you have to you have to try and do that. I try and make everybody sound you know, special though. I try and like whatever engineer they worked with or whatever producer they worked with, you know, I've been fortunate enough to work with a lot of big ones now so that I know what they are looking for. And I kind of go into that mode. And then, you know, there's days where I just kind of like turn on the, you know, the music and kind of say, all right, this is what I'm doing today. You know, is there with all the different modes of music now we have the MP3, we have the vinyl, we have the CD sometimes um, and and all and everything is is it's so different to hear the way each one of those different devices plays. Do you have to master it specially for each individual play system, or is it you master it X Y Z? It's done, and then it gets played on all these different ways. For, for the most part, it is that I go for the highest sounding, um, you know, format. So there are some systems now that play waves. You can stream waves on some sites, and that's, you know, 1644 or 2444, the higher ones. Um, That's amazing. Like, those are people who have good systems and people who get sound and people who will listen to a record and, like, you know, get goosebumps and whatever. Those are my people. Those are the people that, you know, like, I'm that nerd that would listen to a record in the dark and, you know, like you know, just like vibe on it and go into that place. And then there are people who just like, you know, listening to the radio while they're at the gym or whatever in their car and they like the song and I'm trying to make the bass pump and do all that stuff too. That's another format is there's earbuds, there's headphones now, high-end headphones, and then there's cars. You know, there are people who have amazing systems now at home due to surround sound. So the question, you know, to answer the question is that I kind of go for the high-end wave sound the MP3 is kind of a trickle-down thing, even though mastering for iTunes has some software where you kind of it's not as loud as the MP3. They, they, they try and squeeze a few more dynamics into it. It sounds a little better, I think. Um, then there's vinyl, which for the most part is a trickle-down of just like lowering the level and letting the, you know, letting the dynamics happen a little more. Um, 
that's kind of it. But I, I have actually been doing a few records where for the vinyl, I just did 21 Pilots Live. Um, it's the same Blurry Face tour, but there's a few extra songs. There's a couple different things on it. But we actually mastered it at a very low level because it was just for vinyl. So there's not really any kind of limiting on it. It's just enough to like make the record kind of come together and sound full. But for the most part, it's really just like a, a true back-in-the-day cut-it-for-vinyl record. That was you know, going to be my next question is, are there artists out there that all they, they only put out on vinyl or particular? No, but I mean, the hip thing is to put it out, you know, a special vinyl song or a 10-inch record or, you know, if, you know, whatever. Cassettes are actually coming back now. What? You know? Yeah, and that I don't even know. I'm not even going to comment. <laughs> for real? I have, trust me, I have a whole box full of cassettes waiting for that to happen. For when I walk into a store and ask for a cassette player and the guy doesn't look at me like I'm an insane person. Like, what's a cassette player? <laughs> yeah, so that's actually coming back. You know, the, the coolness of a cassette. Um, you know, you can't really control the way a cassette tracks or anything like that. There are, there were a couple really good, you know, Nakamichi decks back in the day and, you know, Denon decks like that were really cool and high end. But for the most part, you know, a cassette is like a cassette. I mean, I still have my, uh, like Walkman. Oh, no, I I didn't have a Sony. I had a Panasonic, a first generation Panasonic, but I still have it because it was like my, it was like floating in space when I first got it because you were always you know you either had to listen to music at home or in your car you know or have a boom box but that was kind of like you couldn't play it your you know I couldn't play my trippy you know Brian Eno stuff on the bus on a boom box so I'd have my you know cassettes and you know then I could make mixtapes and you know. Oh man, mixy relationships will be saved if if cassettes come back because all those mixtapes. <laughs> you know, I kind of like once a year I make Beth a mixtape of stuff that I work on and stuff that I kind of feel is like a message to her, like nice. lyric here musically. So yeah, once a year Beth gets a mixtape. That's awesome. I still have my first boyfriend gave me mixtapes and I still have them. Yeah. Very awesome. Very I love it. Okay, so I want to—I didn't get a chance to ask you back on the in your studio. So when I walked in again, there was—it was as if you were floating in space. There was just no sound in there. It was the trippiest thing. And uh, you said that the floor, and I think you said the ceiling—they were all floating. Is that right? No, it, the the room is a box that floats on springs. You know, you come through the door into the lounge and you come into the studio and then you're floating. If I jumped, that's when you really felt it float, but it's not like, you know, whatever. But it also has to do with the sound is so dead in there that it really does give you the impression that you're in some kind of chamber. You know, you're not, there's really no sound in there. Um, you know, the room might move a little if you jump, but it's definitely like a chamber just to listen. When the speakers come on, all of a sudden the walls kind of disappear. You know, things start happening. Yeah, it That's was incredible to hear. I, it was incredible to hear. You played me a couple things, and I was of other artists and blown away by it. It was incredible to hear music in that room. Absolutely. Yeah. And you also told me when I was there that you have synesthesia, which is fascinating. <laughs> so synesthesia. Yeah, can't say it. Synesthesia means that you, for, for example, some people, numbers have colors or music has a color or, you know, and you, for you, it's music has colors, right? 
Yeah, it's kind of like there in front of me. Like I, it's like I, it's not like I see the band. It's like I see where the music's coming from. You know, like I see the space and I kind of like, that's like when I work, I work in some indifference or mid-side. So I kind of do a little dimensional stuff. I like to move. I like to shift the face, you know, enough that it kind of like, all of a sudden it's kind of like, uh, you know, like it's just weird. What do you, like what do you get, mean? I don't, I don't, I don't speak your language. What does that mean? <laughs> it's just, you kind of move the stereo and mono image enough that it kind of just the whole sound kind of gets wider and deeper it's okay. something like experience okay. it's kind of like that first hit of pot or the when the sh when that shot you just drank hits you're kind of like you just kind of go into another plane you're kind of like uh you know it's like it's just hard to explain until you sit in my chair and you turn the knobs and then you're like okay now i get it you had said to me that um that for you sometimes it's not even about turning the knobs to to make the music go where it goes, that you see the colors, and that once the colors go where they're supposed to go, you know you've done it. Yeah, you kind of just like, the more I listen, the more I kind of get into it, and then it kind of all starts turning into this image or this thing. It's really a thing. It's not even like just an image. It's a whole whatever. And then like, you know, a lot of times if it's a really good record, I kind of feel it more, and I just start like, I can't under, I can't explain it. Like when I think about what I do, it's really nothing. You know, it's like oh, I'm turning a knob, I'm doing this, I'm whatever. I'm not, you know, I didn't invent anything. I'm not solving anything. I'm not change. I'm not changing it so much that, you know, people are like holy shit. Like you know, I mean, sometimes you do, but it's just this thing where you kind of get in the zone and kind of like, all right, I want I want this record to be felt. I want it to be seen. I want it to be, you know, I want it bigger than. You know, I want I want people to have a reaction to it. You feel like I'm kind of transferring that energy. Well, know? I would argue that you do do a great deal. I would argue I, that, and you know, you've made a record bigger than Elvis. You said so yourself. <laughs> <laughs> There's no bigger than that, right? <laughs> bigger than Elvis is an actual phrase to mean something really big. <laughs> <Yeah>. So you've <laughs> been doing this now for gosh, this that would make it over twenty years plus. Third. 30 years. Yeah. You started when you were 10, so. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm old. So I'm if old. you were, um, if you were to start all over again, would you do the same thing? I think you, you seem to have a great passion for what you do. I do. There's, that's such a like, I mean, that's the question. When you get to a certain point, you're like, if I could do it all over again, you know? I mean, I think I would do it. I think I could do it better. I think I could have, you know. I don't know. I just, it took a while to get to where I am. Like now that I'm at Sterling and I'm really in control of my work and my destiny and like everything, it just makes it easier to, to be better or to try and be better or to keep working harder and not lose the passion for what I do. Yeah. You know, like that's the thing is like, there are days, you know, you're sitting around waiting. It's, you're waiting for a track that somebody promised you was going to be in at three in the afternoon and it's 1130 and, You know, I mean, it's not like I'm going to go home and do, like, all this amazing stuff. But, you know, like, it's just like that part has always sucked in the studio. But at the same time, it's like I love doing what I do. I love, like, you know, my favorite reaction from working with someone is, like, you know, two days later when they're like, oh, my God, like, it's just, like, it's, you know, coming out of my speakers so differently and it has so much more 
you know, depth and whatever. I love when that when that when I hear that. You know, like when when you're in my room, it's kind of hard because you either get the system or you don't, or people get kind of blown away and afraid. Like, oh my God, my music is like alive now, and you know, they have this expectation of what they thought. Now it's in a different place, or it's better, or there's you know they're just not ready to let go. There's so many things that happen there, and. You know, then when they're finally like, okay, I let go and it's great and I love what you did and, you you know, you did exactly what I wanted. Like, you know, they went for their jog or they drove or, you know, they got drunk and they put on headphones and they were like, yeah, that's, you know, that's what I wanted. I listened you know, when you did sent mine back to me. I listened and I just sobbed the whole time <laughs> in, the, in the best possible way. Matt. Yours was great because the mixes were good and I kind of felt like what you were going for right away. And I'm like, you know, honestly, it's not about like people always say, like, you know, what's your wheelhouse? Like, what is your thing? I kind of my career kind of was built around hip hop, R&B, only because of the people that I was working with back then. They were the people who gave me the opportunity. The other engineers who I was working under, that's what they were doing. And I kind of, you know, I loved punk rock. I loved like, you know, blues rock and stuff like that. And, you know, just regular rock and roll. That was my dream to do that kind of stuff for alternative rock. And I just never met those people. I didn't work at the place at the right time, but I embraced what came at me. And then I just kind of went with it because it was sound and it was making that stuff sound better. You know, like I was trying to make hip hop have like an audio file sound. Like, you know, you play it on a system and people would be like, oh my God, like that's so much bigger than anything else. You know, like when bass was kind of blowing up, I was kind of like, all right, let me be the guy who adds, you know, makes the bass huge and, and makes it, you know, like explode on systems. Yeah. You know, just what I wanted to do is try and, you know, make it better. You know, and when I would go to clubs and hear it, I would be like, this is how it sounds in the club. That's how I want the record to sound on any system. Well, I think it's impressive, too, that you master in so many genres. You're not a you're not a one genre guy. It's not like you can only hear it in a particular. I mean, you go you can take something that's super soft and chill or something huge. Yeah, I mean, I've done, you know, Grammy nominated jazz records and. You know, um, where I won Best World Music Album two years in a row, Angelique Kidjo, this year and last year. And, you know, then people are always like, oh, you're the pop guy now, or you're the rap guy, or you're whatever. And it's like, I kind of do some other stuff, you know? Like, it's just like the people that know me and want to work with me know what I'll do to their record or whatever. They It's not about, you know, the genre. I, I did two country records this year. I did... um little big town album i just did and i just did um oh my god i gotta think i did a song for um they were at the ventura county fair last year i can't think of i'll, I'll come up with a name or i'll email you it's, okay. it's it was enough you know it was a country record or whatever so it's just like but it was the mixer who got me those one was pharrell who got me the record for little big town and then the mixer got me the record for um the other band yeah that's awesome yeah do you, have to, so, do you have to take extra special care of your ears? Like, do you uh, go out clubbing and stuff, or do you have to... I, I don't go clubbing anymore, but <laughs> um, I do go to shows. I saw 21 Pilots last week. I saw Radiohead a couple weeks ago. I still um, need to go see them eventually in my lifetime. I've always wanted to go see Radiohead. It was bucket list. It was uh, absolutely yeah, bucket list. I imagine. Um, 21 Pilots was amazing. I've worked with them from, like, their, you know, 
second album to or you know like whatever the end of the first album i did some singles and the second album i did some singles i did the um, blurry face album and i just did the live the two live records for vinyl and the show yeah i like Uh, the post you did on instagram about how you've been following them since they were babes in the woods yeah and i just it was so amazing to like see them play the garden you know yeah I mean, I've seen the Who at the Garden. I've seen the Moody Blues. I've like all these giant bands back in the day, and then to see them there was like, all right, you know. So I mean, I've seen I've seen Rihanna at the Garden, and I worked with her from the beginning. But it was kind of different because Rihanna went from basically nowhere to like you know the Garden, you know, where these guys kind of you know played some basements and things like that. Sure. So what do you do to protect your hearing? I I have earplugs. I have like a bunch of different earplugs, you know, depending how loud it is, you know, like I change them up. If it's, if it's a smaller place, it's not that loud. I have some light ones. If it's a, you know. You're talking about specially made, I assume. No, I don't have the specially made, but I have some really good ones that I've just acquired over time. And Mm -hmm. I always keep them in my bag. If I'm going out, I always have like two in my pocket. And actually Beth now actually. You know, she wears earplugs, too. Yeah, I wear earplugs all the time when I go out, and a lot of times I'll wear them just in a loud talking place. It's amazing yeah. how painful your ears feel after a night of being in, in a place where there's just really loud talking. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. There's times where it's just like, we'll be somewhere, and I'll be like, it's just too loud. I can't even, like, you know. I just don't like it that loud. I don't listen loud. I don't work loud um, because it's your ears are muscle. You don't want to, like tired out so and the long the, you know the the more even i listen to the more i can balance the record and really get like an overall sound for an album or you know or an ep or whatever it's just when i'm working at a nice level i kind of hear more because i'm kind of maybe leaning in to hear a little more i'm leaning in to you know feel it you know yeah so do you if you can recall what was one of the more difficult albums you have mastered and why is that um, there's a bunch of, I mean, there's a lot of times like I'll do, you know, a competition mastering with other engineers and, you know, it's just kind of like you second guess yourself a lot. Like when you, when someone comes to you and works, you're kind of like, all right, they want me, I'm going to do this. When you're like competing, sometimes I feel like, all right, I'm just like, you know, what does that whoever- mean exactly? Um, you know, you're tr- you're trying to like. There's other engineers working on the same project. I've done it with Kanye West. I've done it with a bunch of other projects. But you know, you are trying to put your best work forward. But you realize too, in some situations, the loudest record is going to win. So it's kind of like, do I make this record sound really good the way I normally would for a client who is just going to say master this, or do I make it a little louder because I know. They're just going to listen to the loudest version and go, okay, that's the best. So you know? what you're saying is, like, say, artist Joe Smith is a big artist, and so a bunch of different mastering people take us one song, and everybody masters it, and then they pick who the winner is? Is that what you mean? Sure. Yeah. Okay. okay. Or it's master an album because we're really late on the project. Does that happen a lot? It doesn't happen a lot, but it probably happens once or twice a year. Okay. I just... You know, I just feel like it's it's not a competition. So, like, if I do my thing, that's what I really do. And honestly, like, a lot of times lately with one song, I kind of just do my thing. Like, I'm just not, like, if they make it louder and that's what they want, they, I, they weren't going to use me anyway, you know? Yeah. 
but it's just, you know, again, it's a competition, so you're like, oh, it's a competition. Yeah. yeah. When you go home at night or when you're just sort of chilling, do you listen to music or do you stay away? Um, give I, kinda, rest? I give my ears a rest, honestly. I watch TV. Um, I go to the gym and I may listen to music. Normally, I, at the gym, I kind of just, like, the wires kind of, like, feel like they're in my way when I'm doing stuff, but um, lately, I've just been really, like, vibing on these albums and I uh, just listen to them, you know, um, radio, the new Radiohead album, you know, um, Moonshade Pool is just, did you do um, it? Did you master no, it? No, I didn't do it, but I'm just such a fanboy. Of, I am a uh, fan. Yeah. Okay. You know, so like, I just listened to that at the gym. Um, I did the new, um, oh my God, hold on. I'll tell you what it is. I just have this song America in my head. Um, Young the Giant. Ah. New Young the Giant album is amazing, and the new Fantagram album is Oh, amazing. I know. Nick is a good friend of mine in Fantagram. He's So I, ma- I mastered both of those. Oh, yeah. you did? Oh, good. Awesome. They are both two amazing, amazing I albums. saw Fantagram when they came to Nashville, and Nick got us ticket. My friends, a couple friends, and I went, and, um, and you know, it was great to catch up with him, but... He used to be in my band. When I first started back in Seattle, Nick uh, played guitar for me. So, so crazy. Yeah, those were the days. But yeah, he's doing so well now. It's great. And seeing them live was incredible. Yeah, when they come around, I'm totally going to go see Yeah, it's definitely worth it. It's very, very good. Yeah. So who's your... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I said Young the Giants playing like in two weeks. I'm definitely going to go see them. Yeah. Like, definitely. Um. Do you it's get cool privy too. to people that nobody knows about yet, and you're sort of like, oh my god, this is going to blow up, and you just know? Can you tell? I imagine I, you get some unknowns. You got me. I, <laughs> no, totally, totally. I mean, every now and then, like, um, you know, you'll hear a record, and you'll be like, oh my god, this is going to be huge. But there are a lot of records I work on, too, that I really have, like, high expectations of, and people don't get it, and... Forty percent of my work is like international, like Japanese, Chinese, um, Latin music, you know, from all over the globe. And I work like I won the album of the year for China last year or this year. And it's kind of like or last year I won it. And it was like, you know, like it was a cool record. I don't understand anything they're saying because they're speaking in Chinese or singing Chinese. But I could vibe on the record and I knew it. I just didn't think it was going to win. Like, you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for for every hit record I do, I probably do 10 records that I'll never hear again because of the country or just, you know, the rec- you know, they're independent. They're just putting it out themselves. How many Grammys has Sterling Sound racked up between you guys? Oh, my God, a lot. Right now, um, Tom Coyne has two album of the years and one record of the year. Um, Ted Jensen has uh, the first Nora Jones album for album of the year. Um you know, and then we've all won, been, you know, nominated for everything, too. Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, we, we do a lot of records. We have a pretty big team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How many people are there now? Um, in the total company, I think we have 30 right now. Yeah, we have a lot of, we have a lot of staff and a lot of support, a lot of assistance. But it's, you know, Ted Jensen, myself, Greg Calby, Tom Coyne, Joe Laporta, and Ryan Smith are senior engineers. Do you ever call each other in and, and say like, "Hey man, do you, do you hear something there?" Or do you, are y'all pretty much your own units as far as no? That? We do our own thing. Um, 
we may mention to each other like, oh my god, I just did this album, it's awesome. Or if you know, like, you know, like Ted's working with somebody, I'm like, oh my god, I want to hear that. Or you know, like, is it good? Or you know, but for the most part, we don't really like. You know, it's a it's an industry where you got to like protect everybody. So yeah, we may we may not listen to it, or you know, like you know, if it's somebody that I totally love, I'll be like, oh, I just want to hear one song. You yeah. know, I just. Like, you know, but you have to respect, you know, the artists and the labels and all that stuff. So, so the artists you've worked with, who who are your, some of your fans? Totally, like, oh my god, I can't believe I'm in the room with this person. Oh, Madonna, we were sitting next to each other at the console and just, like, talking away. And um, got Chris Cornell from Soundgarden. I worked with him for a couple of days. Um, I know his Dave, whole family, too. <laughs> Seattle, yeah. yeah. I, I love them. Um, Karen worked, is his mama. I worked with um, the Lonely Island one time for two day, two or three days, and it was just like so funny because those guys are so funny. They're you know? and, so so funny. And it was just great hanging out with them, and you know, like sitting in the middle of that listening. You know, mm-hmm. um, the, ca- the the Cash Money Millionaires. You know, like it was like you just sat there waiting for them to say stuff because you knew they were like you know straight up from the streets of New Orleans. You know, they weren't like label execs or you know they just made stuff the way they thought to make it yeah and they made huge records um god what else um with madonna super she seems like a cool hang she's super cool yeah she's cool um i met demi moore once i did a record for her daughter and she came by to thank me and it was just like really weird that she actually took the time to come into the studio meet me and thank me because it was it was like it was like a free thing, and I was just like, "Yeah, I'll meet her." But I was just so cool that she was like, "Hey, I just want to come in and say thanks and meet you." And it's like, "Wow, cool!" You know, that is cool. That's that's good mom skills. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and totally just shows that she's a really cool person. Yeah. You know? um, there are people in the studio like Greg Calby works with Branford Marsalis, and I don't really, I've never worked with him, but every time he's in the studio, comes in my room, we talk, you know. 10 15 minutes just to say hey what's up how's life um steve jordan um the drummer i don't work with him he works with greg but you know every time he's in he comes in same thing we you know we bs we talk um one last year during the world cup noel gallagher was in and he was there for a couple days and he came in my lounge every afternoon and we would all stop to watch a game and literally noel gallagher was yelling at the tv with us you know it was just like okay this there's nothing cooler than this you know like even though i know a lot of big artists and you know you get you get all these privileges by knowing them you go places you go backstage you go to parties it's great but just like watching soccer with them you know like in the middle of the day it's that's you know that's the coolest part you get to see them as humans yeah yeah. i mean they're you know that's the thing people say who's the nicest who's the worst and it's like you're making a record like everybody you know it's like having a baby like you could be the nicest person in the world and want to kill somebody during birth so you know there are people who go through birth like yeah man you know the you know the epidural is really working good and i'm fine and there are people who are like i don't want anything push you know and they're like ah you know the baby comes out and they're like okay we're gonna we're gonna resequence this baby and we're gonna remix three songs on this baby you know and you just deal with it you, you know it's yeah, i don't it's think people understand the emotional undertaking of putting out a record it is writing and and creating the baby 
Yeah. It's a very intense emotional process and it takes a lot of time. And then of course by the time it comes out, you've already written, you know, another thirty songs, you're like, damn. <laughs> People don't realize too that like what you know, all what engineers do and guys who work in the studio and do all this stuff is that they are part of the creative palette. Like, you know, the the person who writes it all, the artist who does everything, the producers, they are using us to kind of like, you know, get that one thing that they want, you know, for the record. And it's very like specific and, you know, sometimes it's a lot of pressure, you know, working with big artists, you know. Um, I guess it was almost a year ago, um, or I guess it was in September. Um, I'm sitting in the studio for a weekend with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis and doing the new Janet Jackson album. And, you know, those guys picked me to do it. And it's like, how friggin' cool is that? You know, like, Jam and Lewis want me. All right, you know. It's cool. Because you're awesome, man. I mean, it's just (laughs) great that they respect my craft and, you know, they know what I can do and they like it. It's It's incredible. It's It's so incredible. It's wonderful and well-deserved, clearly. Who, who do you, if, if you were making a record and you didn't exist, like if you weren't you, you know, and you're making a record and you're an artist, do you have a mastering person that you kind of, you know, is your idol in mastering? I know you're probably supposed to say somebody that's in your office, but let's just throw that out with the... With no, so like when I was young, like Bob Ludwig is, you know, he's one of the legends in the industry. Of course. Bob. You know, one time he asked me to be on a panel at AES and I sat next to him and, you know, like we were talking and it was like, you know, I mean, almost every record I liked growing up, he mastered, you know, and then I used to, you know, George Marino passed away a couple of years ago, all this rock stuff that he did and, you know, to like meet these guys and now like, you know, Greg Calby, I told my daughter the other day we were eating somewhere and Psychedelic Furs, Ghost in You is on. Oh, was like, that is such a good record. So it's such an amazing record, and I told my, I just blurted out to my daughter, you know Greg Calby, who I work with, he mastered this record. My daughter was like, that's so random, and, you know, like, but I was just like, like, I was so excited that, like, I remember looking at that record one day and being like, this guy mastered this, I mean, I want to meet him one day, and, you know, the, I sat in his studio today to ha- having a half-hour conversation with him about business this morning, and I didn't think twice about it, you know, like, right. he was a He's a legend to me, and now we talk about, like, work, you know? I think that that's such a beautiful thing, that these people that you looked up to are now your peers, you know, your equals. That's great. Yeah. I guess it's cool. You know, it's just, it's weird in a way, too, like, when I meet, like, you know, I, if I go to AES or I go to something and I meet, like, guys who are, you know, young mastering engineers, like, oh, my God, I'm a big fan of your work, and it's like, ugh, that's such a, like, hard thing to, like, you know, like my work, what record are you talking about? Because there's a lot of stuff I did that I listen to now. And I'm like, what was I doing? Where was I? How do you like, mean? It, what do you mean? I guess just like I, I, I'm kind of like progressive in sound. Like I think sound right now is the best it's ever been. Like people like there are people who are like, oh, vinyl back in the day. That was the best or tape machines and whatever. And I'm like, I don't know. I just keep moving forward. I just like love where sound is going. I think like people are really getting into like good sound, like headphones are amazing home systems are amazing again you know like the whole sonos thing is really amazing like you can just put speakers everywhere and they sound good you know like i'm really getting into that again you know like people enjoying like sound and not just like you know 
some crappy speaker playing in your living room. Do you have an insane sound system at your house? Um, it's not bad. <laughs> it's not bad. So B&W gave me some speakers for being part of their uh, thing, and they're pretty nice. I don't have, a, like, a super powerful amp, but I have, like, those, and I have Sonos, and I have, like, uh, you know, some other stuff. I just have speakers. Yeah. You know, like, it's really for, like, the, the, the B&Ws are for listening to music. Um, I'm taking a turntable home, like, next week, set up my turntable here. Nice. I have a, I have a bunch of records and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I want there to be times, like, Sunday afternoons when I'm, like, vacuuming and cleaning, like, just put on, like, you know, you know, a Flock of Seagulls album. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Something totally random, you know, like a Brian Eno album or, you know, the Kinks. Oh, it's so good. I mean. But you're saying just like all this random stuff that I have, like I have all this, you know, Clash special vinyl and Police special vinyl and U2 special vinyl. Just like to play, you know, it's like one song came out on that and that's it, you know. And like that's the original mastering. That's the way it was supposed to sound. That's the thing about the old vinyl like that. If you have it, like that was the CD of its time or the, or the you know, the the high definition wave file you know that was it back then like the original mastering was like done shipped to the factory everybody approved it and that was the gig you know like over time people started cutting off of like eq'd masters and the quality went down a little but you know if you have like real old original vinyl like that's the shit for that time yeah i went uh record shopping with my friend james haggerty and he pointed out to me how to tell if it's original master recording because i never thought to look for stuff like that he's like oh you gotta look for this and subscribe on the on the inner yeah yeah Yeah, we used to write stuff on the inner diameter when we cut vinyl you know bands would ask us to write messages or i would just write stuff you know like if i knew the band was cool i would just write something silly yeah yeah. You have to come to Nashville and check out Third Man Records and come to the United Record Pressing. and. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. come visit. I know. You know what? I, I actually... Not that you ever get free time, but... I don't really get free time, but right now I'm kind of like just doing this thing where like I'm going to make free time for myself and go explore. Yeah. And, uh, I was thinking about like I kind of wanted to go to Vegas, and then I was like, just go to Vegas and like spa. Like stay in a really nice room and go like... You know, like, go to the gym and work out and then go get, like, a massage and then, like, sit in a salt bath and a lava, whatever, in mud. And do that for, like, a weekend and just kind of, like, unplug. You know, like, not look at my phone, not do anything. I don't gamble. Like, I don't get it. But, like, I know if I go to Vegas, they have all that shit in one place. You know, so yeah. I could do that. You they know, have I those think, cool like, spots in Arizona and stuff, too. Yeah, I thought about that, go to Arizona. My One of my best friends growing up used to work at the Enchantment Spa, which is considered, like, the best. Um, he doesn't work there anymore, too bad. But, like, yeah, I was thinking about that, you know. But, like, Vegas, I fly in, I take a car to the air, you know. You know, it's, like, right there. Yeah. And I could, go, and I could eat really crappy, too. They actually have really good. I've been to Vegas one time, and the one thing, if you do go to Vegas, you have to go see the Cirque du Soleil. It is a thing to behold. Of course, now there's about six different Cirque du Soleil shows, but pick any of them. It doesn't matter. It is it is a true thing to behold. It's unbelievably beautiful to watch yeah. and to hear. Yeah like, yeah, like go see a show or something yeah. like that. Yeah. That or, you know, I kind of want to go to London to see a soccer game. and You know, it's just logistically, you know, with... You know, my life, my kids' lives, you know, all this stuff going on. It's just, you know, know. it's hard. But you know what? Life just does what it does, whether you're in it or not. You can step out of it for a minute and and then step back in again. 
today, today, part of my conversation with my partners was I'm going to go to like China to like develop more, you know, a better base there with with clientele and stuff. You know, the country's completely opening up, and you know they have you know millions of people who will buy millions of records, and there's millions of people making records. So you know, it's just tapping into that that business. Um, I have a pretty good Japanese base too. I'm thinking about going to Japan, go to Tokyo. I've never been there. It's like one of my dream cities to go to. You know, I love the culture. I love the food. You know, I know so many artists there that like are mega artists. I just didn't like um, God. Probably like five albums. You know, a triple album and a double album for this band called Dreams Come True, and they're one of the biggest bands ever in Japan.、Um, I've been working on their stuff for years and years. Um, and you know they're like, oh, come to Tokyo and we'll take you out. And I'd be like, okay, that's the way to go to Tokyo with like one of the biggest Japanese bands ever, and just go hang out with them. Oh you know? my god, you have to do it. Yeah, so you know it's things like. If you that need that someone are... to carry your suitcases, <laughs> I will do. <laughs> yeah. I'll dress like an anime. It'll be great. <laughs> All right, you just got the job. <laughs> yes, I'll put on my five-inch heels, put on the platinum wig. It'll be a, it'll be a good thing. All right. But if I come to Nashville, what do you do?、Yeah. <laughs> Just go out and you'll be dressed like that. Terror, terrorize the downtown. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be funny. Oh my goodness,、uh, Chris, you're the bestest. Um. Yeah, you're you're cool. Thank you. <laughs> Thank、uh, you for. Is there any other stories before we sign off that you want to? No, like it's just. You know, you're kind of bound by confidentiality, so I can't really dig into you because I know that you know, and which is good, and you have to respect that boundary for sure. But oh, yeah, I bet you、things. got some good stories. Oh yeah, there, yeah, fights, guns, drugs, girlfriends, boyfriends. You know, it's all there. And that、so、was、you. just Dennis Rodman. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah, literally, literally.、Um, yeah, I mean, I've met. You know, amazing people. I've met people. You know, like actors and actresses. You know, rock stars, nobodies,、um, and they're all cool people. You know, it's just it's sitting in the room for a day, just talking to somebody, finding out. You know, like I kind of do my thing, and I just want to know about them. I'm like, you know, I just want to know what makes them tick. I want to know what the songs are about. That's the coolest part. Is like. When you're with an artist and you're like, "What's this song about?" and they tell you, and then it becomes like a number one song, and people are like, "Oh my god, I love this song!" Like you have no idea, you know, like you have no idea what it's about. And it's amazing to like know, like to you all know, the stories. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think you'll ever? You have to wait for everyone to die before you can write a book. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm, I, you know, everybody always says you should write a book one day. It's just like. It would just be cool because it, you know, like from my point of view of the way everybody is and the the way they, you know, like my room is like the birthing room. Yeah. So like it's almost like a story of like how they're like, you know, like when it happens, they're kind of like they go to this different place. You know, they're creative, and all of a sudden they have to go like show everybody the baby and do all this other stuff, and it's just like a weird. They kind of go through this portal in my room, you know. I do now, yeah, absolutely. Hey,、it's、I have to ask you. I'm going to put you on the spot. Have you painted anything yet?、Um, I painted some. I, when I was in California, I did a. I went to a painting, a wine and painting thing with my girl, with Beth's family. Yeah. And、um, 
She just recently bought me a sketch pad, and I've kind of been dabbling in okay, my... Okay, no, Rhea, you have that box of paints. And I, I, it's, right up, it's right across and the I room. And I can't wait till you start painting something. Cause... I know, I just, like, I'm, I'm drawing now to get into my next thing. You know what my problem is? Is I'm really into photography, and oh. I actually just bought a Leica camera on Saturday. Sweet. So this is like my dream camera, and actually tonight there's a giant water fountain in my apartment complex, in this you know center quad, and I just walked over with the camera and just was like, all right, let me, I just want to test out ISO settings and you know bracketing and doing all this stuff to see how the camera works in dark, and I just took like probably 50 pictures of this water fountain with different filters and different time lapses and all this cool stuff, and I was you know like. All right, you know, like it, this camera's inspiring me to like go somewhere and take pictures. Amazing. Well, bring it to Japan. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I, yeah. I mean, that's the kind of thing. Whenever I go somewhere, I always have a camera on me and I'm trying to like just do this stuff. You yeah. Know? Just oh, document. That's amazing. Yay. Well, I love you dearly, sir. I love you too. Thank I'm you. I'm so glad that you were able to talk to me a little bit and kind of break away from work and all that stuff. So, come yeah. visit. Come say hello uh, to no, Nashville. I, I, you know, I really think I need to just go to Nashville because everything else is like, you know, hour, hours and hours flights and, you know. Yeah, we're Ted pretty just, close to New York. It's not, Ted just told me the Hutton. Yes. Yeah. Is that's, that the spot? That's a very nice hotel. Yes. It's beautiful. Right. Yeah. It's uh, so is uh, Union Station is quite beautiful as well, but they're doing a big renovation, so I, I doubt it would be done in time. But the Hutton is great. They have a lovely martini and a delicious... I, I you, are you a, you're a meat eater, aren't you? They're, oh, yeah. they're considered to have one of the best burgers in Nashville, so... Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've been afraid of going to Nashville, though, because I, I've been, like, dieting and exercising since you May. You look great. I, I lost 25 pounds, I'm like getting in shape, I'm like hitting the gym real hard, and I just like, like tonight I came home and had some steamed vegetables, you know, like, like, alright, I'm doing this. You gotta get your proteins, man, get your protein I'm in. Key, I'm totally keto. Yeah. Actually, I had some slab bacon with that. I don't, a, a keto? Ketogenic is like Atkins diet, but a little more hardcore. Oh, yeah, what is like hardcore mean? You just walk up to the cow and bite into it, right? There's <laughs> no no sugars, no processed food, no nothing. It's all like, you know, salads and meats and you know whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Every now and then some cheese. I'm not really supposed to, but you know, it's still it's okay. Yeah, so what are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah. I'm losing weight and I'm feeling you, good. That's you look great. You look fantastic. So good for you. Love you. Love you. Um, I'll let you know if I'm going to come to Nashville. I'm really, really good. Thanks for being on Hey Human. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye.